people. This morning I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, verse 17. This is a fairly uh, uh, familiar portion of Scripture to a lot of people. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new. new. The old has gone. The new has come. Today's message I've entitled, The Ghost of Christmas Past. Of course, this is taken from Charles Dickens' classic tale, A Christmas Carol. And I thought to get us into Christmas mood, I'd read a little bit of, from Dickens' story here this morning. This is where he describes the first apparition that visits Mr. Scrooge. He writes, the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as an old man. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as with age, Yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were very long and muscular, the hands the same as if it, its hold were of uncommon strength. Its legs and feet, most delicately formed, were like those upper members, bare. It wore a tunic of the purest white, and around its waist was bound a lustrous belt the sheen of which was beautiful. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand and in singular contradiction of that wintry emblem had its dress trimmed with summer flowers. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a clear, bright jet of light. Even this, though, when Scrooge looked at it with increasing steadiness, was not its strangest quality. For as its belt sparkled and glittered, now in one part and now in another, and what was light one instant at another time was dark, so the figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness, now being a thing with one arm, now with one leg, now with twenty legs, now a pair of legs without a head, now a head without a body of which dissolving parts no outline would be visible in the dense gloom wherein they melted away. Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold me? asked Scrooge. I am. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? inquired Scrooge. No, your past replied the spirit. This morning I want to talk to you about your past. As we prepare to celebrate Christmas, this thing of the past oftentimes pops up unexpectedly. It sometimes is a haunting power that can be displayed in your life. You see, we're about to all be put into uh, circumstances that oftentimes resurrect our pasts as we gather with friends family, siblings, in-laws, outlaws, people who long ago should have been imprisoned, yet walk freely amongst us. <laughs> These are people who know how to push your buttons. And just when you think, surely I'm at peace with God and man, can rise up inside you. 
and the past pops his ugly head up and causes much discouragement. The past is a tricky thing for a lot of people of faith. There's two versions of this in ex- extreme. For some, the past never seems to release its grip on their minds. The memories of their sins and failures are ever being replayed before them. These people often find it difficult to find a state of grace where they can walk about in the freedom that Christ's sacrifice provides. And it's like these events happened yesterday to these people, oftentimes in counseling people. We will hear the past resurrected guilt, regret, something they did when they were teenagers, something they shouldn't have done in a previous relation, something they said to someone they wish they hadn't said, and they relive these failures over and over and over again, primarily by vocally recounting these things. Nothing feeds the past more than the blathering of your lips, constantly talking about them. People do this all the time. I met a lady some years ago in the foyer here at this campus, and I had never seen this woman before. It was her first time in church. She walks up to me and instantly begins to tell me of the horrible deeds of her husband. Apparently, I have a gift. (laughs) People blather out their traumas from their spouses. And she starts telling me. Again, within 30 seconds, I'd never seen the lady. First time here, she starts telling me. He did that and he did that. And it was quite horrific, these deeds of this man. And I went, oh my goodness, when did this happen? And she said, 25 years ago. And I felt so sad for her. It was as fresh as it had happened yesterday, primarily because she was constantly rehearsing the events. You see people do this over and over again. You see this oftentimes in couples who are constantly reminding each other of their failures. You did this to me. Yeah, well, you did that to me. And they're constantly going at it, and they keep it fresh and new because they're constantly rehearsing these things. They haven't learned the glorious secret to just zip it. Stop talking about these things. Stop rehearsing things for the love of God, particularly you of faith and those who listen to these words. Stop reminding each other of what you did then. Yeah, what you did. Stop it. For heaven's sakes. We just all stood together and prayed the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. But of course, we're constantly reminding those who transgress against us that they had indeed transgressed against us. Keeping it fresh and in fact not forgiving at all. Then you have on the other hand, people who have joyously pushed past their failures. They celebrate and bask in the knowledge that their sins have been forgiven. God, having cast their transgressions into the sea of his forgetfulness. These people mistakenly think that their past can no longer influence their behavior. And they're not on guard. Only to be shocked as they fail again and again and again into patterns that seem to hold them hostage. 
You ever be shocked by your own behavior? Anybody out there? You think, goodness, I'm a man of God. I'm a spiritual woman of the Lord. I love Jesus. And suddenly you are mortified as if standing outside your body and watching yourself go psycho crazy on somebody. How did that happen? Where did that come from? We are so dismayed. And the point of fact is that that old nature in you is still there. You need to be on guard. If you're on guard, if you anticipate it and biblically approach it, you can have victory on it. If you forget about it and think, oh, gee, I'm free now, la, 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 la. And then, boom, it comes out of nowhere. It's quite shocking. My lovely wife recently purchased a little baby doll for one of our little rugrats, you know, grandchildren, that's their names, yes. And uh, I am fumbling about in a stand-up walk-in closet in our basement, dark, and trying to work my way around, and apparently some psycho had created this doll with a proximity-sensing device (laughs) that upon close proximity, this little creature comes to life. So I'm, in ignorance, moving about the closet when suddenly, ah, ah, oh, good grief! It's like you're expecting Chucky to jump out and freak the willies out of me. Now, if you don't know Chucky's there, it's quite upsetting. Now I know he's there. I'm prepared. It doesn't have me peel out of my skin. When you're not aware, that's when the shock comes. You're not prepared. We have all these wonderful people over in Appleton who are going to be getting baptized, and we celebrate that with you, this glorious step up in your faith where the Bible says, in baptism our old self is buried with Christ. Christ and now we come up in newness of life with that old nature buried. You say, Pastor, isn't it buried and gone? It's buried, but it's not gone. It's like those slasher movies where the the evil person somehow is always still alive. You know, you think he's dead, but he's not dead. Some years ago, Deb and I went to wandering about, I can't remember what we were doing there, and on occasion, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? You ever have that conversation? You know, hour and a half later, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? <laughs> Stuck like, like a hamster. <laughs> Not going anywhere. Well, let's go to this movie. You know, so we often go to these movies. We don't, our, our fault is we don't check out the movie ahead of time. We, we go off the title. And we saw this movie. I, I saw what you did last summer. Sounds like a romantic movie, doesn't that? I saw what you did. I, I remember. Yes, that was me. I was there for you. <laughs> Apparently, that's not what this movie was about. It's some slasher killer movie where someone's going around killing people. And of course, it's freaking me out. I'm screaming like a 14-year-old girl in this theater through the whole thing. 
then finally, thanks be to God, the evil person has been killed. We can relax. And unexpectedly, of course, this guy jumps out at the end again. I scream at the top of my lungs. In fact, all the 14-year-old girls in the theater went, <laughs> did they not? I mean, when you're freaking out the teenagers, that's bad. You know, that's... Creep me out, I thought he was dead. Apparently he was only mostly dead. That's what that old nature is like in us. You see, when you come to Jesus, before you come to Jesus, the Bible says we're all born spiritually dead. We're all stillborn. You know what? Stillborn child is child is born, but it's, it's, it's not a life physically. Very heartbreaking. But the truth is, everyone born into this world is born spiritually stillborn. Dead, the Bible says, because of sin. And if people are truly honest, they'll admit to you that they sense something is not quite right. Something's wrong. Something's missing. I, I need something. And this is where people go on these mad quests to, gee, if I just get more money, I'll be happy. Or if I get rid of the idiot I married and marry another idiot, then now... I'll be happy, or, you know, if I just drink more booze, it'll fix it. If I take more drugs, it'll fix it. Just... And all of mankind, in one way or another, is trying to fix that thing. What is that thing? Something's not quite right. And through the glorious message of Christ, we learn that it's, we're spiritually stillborn. And Jesus said we need to be born anew. Not physically, but spiritually. And you come to Christ, you ask Jesus into your heart, you give your heart, and God breathes his life into you and you have this transforming moment. For some, it's rather dramatic. Some, not so much more. Uh, people who are generally fairly nice people, though we're all sinners, they tend not to have quite such a dramatic transformation. Those of us who are really rotten, <laughs> it was like, wow, you know, it was holy stinking cow. It's amazing. That's where we get the phrases, the songs. Once I was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I've seen the light and all the other phrases we talk about is when God comes and he breathes life into us. And, and for the first time in your life, you're truly a whole person. This is the joy of Christianity. This is what we celebrate. This is what Christmas is really all about. Jesus coming into the world to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and breathe life where there's been nothing but death. And we celebrate that and we embrace that and we walk in this newness of life, but oftentimes we become casual, careless. We forget that that old nature is there. And given the right circumstance, the right environment, she'll pop right up. The Bible says we need to be wise. We need to be careful about how we live. And it's different for different people. Some people can never go in a bar because they used to live in the bar. It's a bad environment. That just resurrects that old thing inside of them. People have different situations in life you need to be careful from because if you get yourself in that circumstance, you will replay old patterns. We need to be smart about it. And we need to be aware that those things are there. The patterns of sin are pretty set hard in us. Uh, 
if you've done really terrible things in your past, believe it or not, given the right circumstances, you do it again. You would. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's just, it's the reality of it. In fact, you need to be careful. The Bible says you need to be careful. If you think you stand, you need to watch out because that's when you're going to fall. Just when you think, I have got it down. Hallelujah. I have nothing to fear. That's sure enough when it'll hit you, when you're not paying attention, when someone will come, circumstances will come, push those buttons and send you back into old patterns. It's like riding a bicycle. You never forget somehow. Some of you have not been on a bicycle in 10, 20, 30 years. You haven't ridden a bike. But if I put you on the bike today, you could still ride it. It's amazing. It's something that was so hard to learn in the first place. Constantly falling and smashing into bits and scraping all parts of your body. Everyone running around trying to hold you up. Seemed impossible. And finally something clicks in your head and you get the sense of balance. You can be away from it for decades. And boom, just like that, you can ride again. I'm telling you, so is the sinful nature that is in us. We need to be careful. You see, on the one hand, we've been completely forgiven. God will never remind us of the sins of our past. And on the other hand, those patterns of our past can drive us to repeat these things unless we intentionally are aware of it and be intentional so that we don't keep doing it. Paul writes about this many times throughout the Bible. Much of the New Testament actually spends a fair amount of time talking about this. Not falling into this pattern and this struggle that you feel inside of you. It's, it's not that you're schizophrenic. At least most of you aren't. But uh, you feel this pulling back and forth inside you. You think, oh my gosh. And you, you, and you can feel very bad and get very discouraged. Of course, Satan comes along and lets you know, yeah, you're not really a Christian. You're really a phony as I'm trying to discourage you. No, no, no. It's just that this battle and you haven't learned. You're not aware you're not conscious of this battle that's in you and you haven't done that which is intentional to feed the one and starve the other. Because if you're not careful, the other one will feed and surprise and shock you. Paul writes, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Yes, pastor, yes, that's what I want. I want to be transformed. Lay hands on me. Sprinkle me with holy dust. Do whatever you got to do so it'll change. Everyone pray for me that I'll change. No, that's not how it happens. It would be great. be great if we just line you all up and spray you with something. <laughs> and all of a sudden it'll all be gone. Be fabulous if that was the way it is. It's not. Well, Pastor, how do I do it? How do I get transformed? He says right here, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to change the way we think. Many of us struggle because we struggle with stinking thinking. We keep alive the patterns and stuff, and you're doing it unconsciously. Some of you wonder, I don't know, I just have a real anger problem. I don't know why I lose my anger. I'll tell you why, because you're constantly rehearsing the stuff ahead of time in your head. You're thinking, boy, that guy ever does that to me again, I'm going to punch him in the face. You know, that person ever does that to me. And I'll... You know your head. Some of you just are constantly rehearsing this. Then all of a sudden, the right button gets pushed, and you lose it. And you have no idea why. It's because you're constantly feeding that old nature. You've got to change the way you think. The Bible says, those who live according to the sinful nature, 
Ever feel like that? <laughs> Struggling? You're doing this because your minds are set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, these people who walk free of all this nonsense, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. You've got to change the way you think. That's why the Bible says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Because the thing that will determine which side of you will triumph, the God-blessed side or the sinful, nasty side, is right here. Your head will determine which one prevails. And if you see this one prevailing, you need to work on this. Even the Old Testament talks about this. David writes, how can a young man keep his way pure? He gives his own answer. By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. He says, do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How does that work? Because when you keep your head in the right place, your heart will follow. Now again, if you've never been born again, if you've never had the life of Christ come into you, if you've never experienced God in the way we're talking about, you can think anything you want, and it's not going to change jack squat in your life. But if you've had this wonderful work of grace in you, and you still find yourself struggling with this other stuff, I'm telling you, the key is here. You want to be a great witness this Christmas. You want to get around your psycho crazy in-laws and not lose it. <laughs> you want to get around your brothers and sisters that know just the right buttons in you to push and you don't want to lose it. Get your head in the right place. Think spiritual thoughts. That's why Christian disciplines are so important. That's why it's so important to come to church so you can hear stuff like this. Instead of coming to church two or three times a year whether you need it or not. Good Lord, you need it. So you should come all the time. So you live more victoriously and not so defeated. That's why you should read the Bible. That's why you should pray. These are spiritual disciplines. It affects the way we think. And if you can start thinking the right way, you live the right way. If indeed Christ lives in you. Again, if you've never truly experienced Christ... You can chant and meditate and moan and groan and throw prayers around all day long. It's not going to do jack for you if you haven't let him come and touch you on the inside. And in a moment, we're going to give people an opportunity. If you've never truly surrendered your heart to Christ, as we take communion together to pray with us and truly get right with God, let this miracle happen on the inside of you. But this Christmas, let's be careful to live victoriously, not victims of the ghosts of Christmas past. As Dickens wrote, he said, the arms of the ghosts were very long and muscular, the hands the same as if its hold were of uncommon strength. I promise you, it can seem to have unbelievable strength unless you starve the rascal. And the way you do it is by feeding your spirit and not playing to the bad nature. Indeed, the ghost of Christmas past can display a great deal of strength as it strives to hold you in its grasp, forever dooming you to live in the patterns of failure and sin that you are all too familiar with. There's only one way to break its stranglehold on its life, and that is to be constantly transformed by the renewing of your mind 
through God's word. This Christmas, let's make an intentional effort to successfully live out what God has done on the inside of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to be shining examples of your peace, your love, and your kindness. And when the devil and the world and family and all start to push the wrong buttons to drive us crazy, God, help us to be prepared by building up on the inside so that we can start living out victoriously instead of constantly falling back into the old patterns. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Bless you. Amen.